like a midget at a urinal, I was going to have to stay on my toes. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And we are delighted to spend part of this weekend with you and in the good company of our buddy, tall guy, Nathan Miller. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And I'm ready to spring forward starting tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Nathan. Good idea. Suzanne, of course, being a strong advocate of doing this and leaving it that way. Year round. Yes, yes, yes. They've been trying to do that here in Florida where we reside. They, they voted it in, but I guess they can't do anything officially until it gets sanctioned by the federal. Congress. Yeah, the Congress has to approve it, which means it will never happen. Right. <laughs> well, I guess he so. could move to another tropical area that does not observe daylight savings, and that's Hawaii. Yes, well, that would be there right. You go. Arizona, they don't change. But here in Florida, we've been talking about that for quite a while because we likes our sunshine around here, as you do, you folks in Puget Sound, when it is available. Is the weather pretty decent right now, Nathan? You're going to get some sun here the next few days? That's what we're looking at. Uh, Tomorrow might be a little bit rainy, but that's just a one-day deal type thing. And then Monday through Wednesday, looking at some more partly sunny, mostly sunny skies and starting to touch the 60-degree temperatures. Oh, my goodness. You can take the cover off the barbecue now. I know. I mean, you can see me on camera. I'm not wearing a long sleeve right now. I just got a little short vest on, and that's it. Excellent. Already uh, shedding my winter layers. I love that. Sounds good to me. Today, we are going to talk to the author of The Mosaic, Daniel Bruce Levin. So I don't know how many times we've had him on. Three Today or 40. is five. Number five now. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity for us. So much going on in the world. We're still in the grip of a pandemic that seems to be receding. Some people are wanting to get ahead of that by uh, reducing the social distancing, not requiring masks. And that is controversial in and of itself. And I think it speaks to deeper issues in our society. And who better to discuss those with than Daniel Levin? Daniel Bruce Levin, a connectivity expert and business leader, works with governmental organizations, corporations, and businesses to improve how people treat themselves and each other. Sharing a message of unification, he is a popular speaker for groups whose focus is on problem solving, innovation, and conflict resolution. He has traveled to many different countries and dined with the richest of the rich and sat on the street corners with the poorest of the poor. All the while, he has observed that no matter what country people come from or where they are economically, no matter what color their skin or what religion they practice, we are all the same. We all want to be loved and accepted, listened to and understood, acknowledged and validated. For the fifth time, we are very happy to welcome the author of The Mosaic, Daniel Bruce Levin. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Look at... Look, we're in this beautiful world where it's sunny in the Puget Sound. How the heck is what the heck is going on there? <laughs> life, is, life is actually changing, right? <laughs> yeah. 
You know, it's it, that's actually what we wanted to talk to you about today when we anticipated your coming on is that we we talked to you we we got your book a couple years ago and I want to ask you about the about the book if not now at the break and then we brought you back a year ago for another two visits to talk about um, the the allegory of the mosaic which I have said in the past is it's in the same tradition as you would find a little prince or animal farm or life of pie or any allegorical story. And it's so applicable to what's going on. A year ago, we talked about the mosaic and the characters in the mosaic as they pertained to this burgeoning pandemic and how those players and other players would be interacting. So I, I wanna give you kind of the same question to start off with. If we are now beginning to come out of the pandemic, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a, a train heading toward us at full speed. How do you kind of hold all that in light of the allegory of the mosaic? How how would your characters, who would be the new characters in your book if you were to expand it with the ending of the pandemic? What do you see as the new, the new characters coming to the fore? What a fabulous question, and I I'm so honored to be here with you for the fifth time. I can't believe it. Most people get way tired of me way before that. So I'm happy, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have this time with you. I want to answer you slightly differently than you might think. Okay. What's happened now over the course of time is something has changed in me. And the characters that I was looking to for my guidance and for, my, and for the stories that they told have actually started to do some work on me internally. I don't really know what's happened, but what has happened somewhere along the line is I must have bumped into somebody, some stranger, some person, something that left with me this present of love. I feel now like I'm a cardboard box that literally has one purpose to just deliver the presence of love, the present of love, wherever I go. And make no mistake about it, I am not the present. The present is way bigger than I could ever be. I'm simply the cardboard box. So the character that I wanna emanate right now, the one that I would write about right now is the mailman. Because oh. the mailman delivers packages to us all the time. And what do we do when we get a present? What do we do with the cardboard box that it comes in? We don't take that and put that on an altar and say, wow, this cardboard box is amazing. We cut the cardboard box open and we open up the present and we enjoy the present that's inside. Well, I've become the cardboard box in which the present of love has been given. And what's amazing now is I can carry that present with me wherever I go in my cardboard box. And people sometimes want to mistakenly think that the box is the present. But no, make no mistake about it, the box isn't the present. What I feel is happening right now as this pandemic starts to be coming to an end 
is that there's a new era that's been ushered in. An era of love rather than hatred. An era where we can see, and I don't know if you guys are on Clubhouse. Are you, are you familiar with the app Clubhouse? Yeah, I have downloaded it and I have yet to sign up. You, you, it, it, is, it is revolutionary to me in terms of what it's doing. And I don't mean to be an ad for Clubhouse right now. But what's happening is people from all around the world, and they're still in beta mode, but people from all around the world are walking into room. So what the Mosaic told me, let's backtrack. What the Mosaic told me when I finished is in my book is that I should take a trip around the world and be like Mo. I should go to all these different places, listen to all these different people, go and, and speak to the people no one speaks to and listen to people no one listens to. Then the pandemic hit. And so I couldn't go anywhere. In the last year, an app has been called, called Clubhouse has come. Clubhouse characterizes itself as a hallway that you walk into and there are doors on each side of the hallway. In each one of those doors are conversations happening around all sorts of topics. So the beauty of what I was supposed to do when I finished the mosaic has come right to my chair. I literally can walk down this hallway and poke my head into different conversations and hear what different people are saying. And what I realize more and more and more and more is what the mosaic has brought is this idea that every single person wants to be loved and accepted, listened to and heard, and acknowledged and validated. And we hold rooms now where that happens. We just came out of a room today that we moderate. And people are having amazing things happen. Pain in their body is disappearing. Relationships that, they haven't, that they've had trouble with over the course of many, many years are starting to heal. Business opportunities are coming to them. In fact, one of the people came into the room and he said, I just, want to, I just want to do business with you. I want to figure out how to do it. I never mentioned what I did. We're talking with the Department of Education because they came in the room and they said, what we feel in this room is what we need in, in education. And so there is a revolution now that is happening just like I always perceived. But it's happening without me having to go anywhere. All I have to do is show up in these different rooms and present the room with this present of love. I have no idea what's happening, but it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I had uh, an experience, uh, I don't know, two, three years ago, where I had been holding on to a lot of pain on one particular topic. And I spoke to a woman who gave me her full attention and wanted to hear everything I had to say. And she didn't agree with me, but she listened to me. And afterwards, I said to Gary, I felt like I was heard for the first time in years on that particular item that was so troubling to me. So when you're talking about conversations on different topics, I don't necessarily hear you saying that it's a lot of blah, 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 blah. It sounds to me like what could be going on is a lot of listening, which I equate more to healing. So if you're talking about this new era of love, does that make sense that this is an era of listening and, a, and an era of healing rather than talking so much? 
bam, yes. But hey, in, I got but, it. You got it. <laughs> but, but in in Clubhouse, when I first came and I spoke to people, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to create rooms where we listen to each other, where there's pauses, where there's silence between when somebody speaks. You know, we're so eager to say what we think. And in a room full of 100 people, everybody says, and, and I want to say this, and, and I want to say this. And as soon as somebody finishes, they say, I want to do that. And I, and I, and I, and if you buy my program, and if you do this, I don't, we don't allow that in our room. Hmm. We invite people after someone has spoken to just sit for a few moments and allow what they're saying to enter into them. And we, we ask people, some people will do it still, but we ask, them, we ask them from the start and we remind them through the process, we don't need to fix anybody or change anybody. We don't need to help anybody or we don't need to suggest the way for them to be. All we need to do is just simply practice the practice of love. What would happen if we just loved each other? What would happen if someone was in pain and we just said, I'm gonna just love you. And we do something really interesting. I never, I didn't know if it would work or not. We ask everybody to feel, come out of their head for a moment and go into their heart and feel, the, feel love filling up their heart. And then we ask the whole room to say 20 seconds and send love to someone who's just told us of a hard time they're going through. 20 seconds of love, that's all it takes. And we send 20 seconds of love to that person. And that person starts, people are crying. People are saying, oh my God, I've never felt love like this in my life. These are, these are strangers. These are people nobody knows. We don't know each other. So if we can do that in a room like this, but it's not what happens in normal clubhouse rooms. In normal clubhouse rooms, everybody's talking and there's blah, 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 blah. But we've created a space where people come back and they're like a family and we have, We've been there a short time. We have like 600, 700 people that, come, that, that are part of our, our club. And, and it's beautiful to watch because it's what people really want. Who doesn't want to feel loved and accepted? Who doesn't want to feel listened to and heard? Who doesn't want to feel acknowledged and validated? I love your story, Suzanne, because it wasn't what she said to you that made you feel. No. It's, what, it's the fact that she listened to you. Right. It wasn't the fact that she agreed with you because she probably didn't agree with you. No, it's she the didn't. fact that she just listened to you. Yeah. And there's something so healing in finally being heard that it's just the most beautiful thing in the world. And that to me is from where we've come from, from the five times that we've been here, the change that's happening in me, the revelation of what the book is, is doing. The characters are starting to become really real to me. And they're saying just what you did with me, where you sat and listened to me, do that with everybody. The yeah. characters in the book aren't important. They're just symbolic of everybody in life. I'm curious to know, Daniel, if you are getting new characters in, like there, there are planets and stars that go through a formation stage. Do I wonder if the same is happening with you? Because in the world of archetypes, they're ancient. We know this. But sometimes I wonder if there are archetypes that are of the moment for the moment. And yes. the pandemic has been a moment. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the characters that to me is not a physical character, but is a presence that has made so much impact on me is the character called Silence. Oh, 
I, I can't believe that you said that because I, I was I was going to say to Gary when you were talking um, a, a moment ago, Daniel, is don't you think, Gary, that uh, as this pandemic has gone on and on, that you and I now have more silence than we do noise at the end of the pandemic as opposed to the beginning of it? You know, how many times we're turning off music, we're turning off the TV, and we're just being quiet. Wouldn't you say there's a whole lot more of that now than there was earlier? I think so. And for whatever reason, we choose the silence. Maybe you've done some of that yourself, Daniel, but there are only so many people I can see on TV criticizing the government, no matter which side you're on, complaining about this or that issue. I do more than my share. So if that's a crime, I'm guilty. But there comes a time when Suzanne and I would, we just figured that if we can't improve upon the silence, then we just won't speak. And we don't have to have a bombardment of stimuli in our home every day. We're here a lot as it is. Why don't we make it as quiet and pleasantly meditative as possible and it, it definitely it stops our nerves from jangling too much i suppose yeah one of the interesting really i i, I so i so feel what you're saying and i agree with it I, i'm doing the same thing and at first i thought it was just the fact that trump wasn't around to make the news that fabulously entertaining um and and so it came back to a normalcy but i think it's more than that one of the things that I realized, I always said it, but I didn't, I don't think I really understood it. I understood it from a different point of view that I said, when I wrote the book, something happened. The story itself is miraculous. I love the story, but there's also a story that's told in the silence between the words. And what I had understood that to mean was the story of how a mosaic is put together, how all of us are equal, how all of us, no matter how diverse we are, come together to make up this beautiful artistry that is far more beautiful than anything we could be on our own. But as I've been sitting with that silence and the pause between the words, what I realized is in the thousands and thousands of conversations that I have with people, People tell their stories over and 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 over again. They tell them so often that they start to believe those are facts rather than just stories. Right. But in between the words of those stories is silence. And silence is a built-in interruption to their stories. And what I was realizing in that silence is the actual thing that heals their stories. And when the space between our words in this becomes larger than the words that are separated by our spaces, suddenly our stories start to disintegrate. And the space is allowed to tell us something new. And I'm watching that happen in my life and in the people that I work with. I'm watching the space start to tell miraculously new stories. Stories that don't have pain and suffering in them, but stories that have hope and love in them. And if we would just take some time to broaden the silence between the noise, rather than it being a momentary barrier to the more noise happening, 
the, the words become the separation of silence rather than the silence becoming the separation of words. I don't know if I'm saying it clear enough to get the idea across, but there's something absolutely magnificent happening in that quiet. And in an app like Clubhouse that was built around people talking to each other, people told me this will never happen. You'll never be able to do this. And sometimes I have to force people to speak. And I say, what's going on? They say, the silence is just so powerful. We just don't want to say anything. We just, And they sit a group of a large group of people in silence with each other together. And it's palpable. I find that remarkable for one particular reason. I can remember probably over 30 years ago now telling people in a small group exercise in college that there are times when we say things we probably shouldn't say. They're not beneficial to others. They might make ourselves look bad. It's unfortunate in one way or another. When we speak, there when we speak because we can't stand dead air. Yeah. Now, in the world of radio, where Suzanne and I do a lot of work, you can't have dead air. You need to be saying something. We're on the radio or we're doing a podcast. However, in our interpersonal communications, I've noticed that there are times when I have said something just to be saying something, but it didn't improve upon the silence and it didn't advance the conversation, nor did it necessarily improve human relations. But here I am, blah, 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 talking. And I think, wow, we are a society that grew up with radio and then television and the movies to some extent, but mainly television where you just can't have dead air. You're there and you've got to be saying something to somebody. Yeah. And I find that to be a problem. So, so episode seven or eight, or if you'll have me back another time somewhere down the line, I would love to challenge that concept. Because I believe if we set the stage, if we tell the right story, we can have people sit in two to three minutes of silence and have them hear something they never would have heard if we were just talking to them. And so we can talk about it down the line, but I'm just watching the same thing that they said to me in Clubhouse. You can't do that. People come here to express their point of view. That's what the rooms are all about. People want to talk and they're anxious to talk and they're excited to talk and you're never going to get them to be quiet. I didn't have to get them to be quiet. We just invited their space and they were so hungry for it. They were so hungry to just stop the stories that they keep telling themselves over and over again. And just hear, is it possible there's something else that's being said here? If I could only stop telling myself the same story over and over again. And there was. And the proof is in the pudding. The fact that they feel it. The fact that that presence of love is so powerful. People will come into the room. So here's what happens. People don't enter the room at the same time. They come and they go. So we will be in a period of silence and people will enter the room in a period of silence. And you would think most people would just get up and leave. Like, what the heck's going on here? This is weird. I'm, I'm expecting people to talk. But they walk into the room of silence. And at some point, they feel to speak. And they said, I don't know what happened here. I don't even know how I came into this room. But when I walked into this room, there was such a palpable presence of love in here that I just couldn't speak. I didn't want to speak. 
And I just wanted to sit in it and just let it bathe me and nourish me and hold me and care for me. And that silence entered places that I've never seen before. You can understand why there would be people who would put themselves into that almost as a, a, a permanent way of life with going to a convent or a monastery where perhaps the words are kept to a minimum in, in some of those. And, and why people will take a vacation like that. You can, you know, look online and find places where you can have a silent retreat for however many days you choose to be there. And the rule is you're not to talk. And, and I was one of those people. Oh. You know, I spent 10 years in a monastery. I spent, oh, I don't remember that. Yes, I spent 10 years in a monastery mm. where I would sit in meditation 10, 12, mm. 14, 16, sometimes 18 hours a day. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> to me, that would be like torture. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, too. But imagine falling in love with your beloved. And imagine when you feel the presence of your beloved, you don't want to do anything but be with her. And when I sat, I would sit and, and then I would, I would fall asleep sometimes in the chair and I would chastise myself and say, Danny, it's not good. You, can't, you don't get benefit from sleeping here in your chair. And my beloved said, Danny, why do you chastise yourself? I love that you fall asleep in my arms. And I love that when you wake up, I'm the first thing you see. And I had that direct relationship with her that was so beautiful and so sacred and so holy. Nothing was as beautiful as that. All I wanted to do was to sit there. I'm reminded when you were talking about people repeating their stories, I have a, a friend of mine who I talk to almost every day, a, a girlfriend of longstanding, and we keep up with each other's sagas. And so there are things that, that occur that uh, they're kind of ongoing stories. And then every once in a while, one or the other of us will say, you know, I don't want to talk about that today because I'm just tired of my own story. Right. And, and so, you know, if people can kind of get that they are just stories and do you want to keep telling that story or, you know, do you want to start another story that you are free to do that too? Yeah. And it, it's even more pressing when the story is causing a lot of pain. And yeah. the story just doesn't have any truth to it. It's just a story we've told ourselves over and over again. And we're sitting in pain we don't have to experience because all we need to do is change the story. We are talking to Daniel Bruce Levin, and we are trying to improve on the silence because in the radio game, silence is your enemy. <laughs> a couple of minutes of silence and Nathan is getting a phone call. <laughs> but sometimes silence can't be improved upon. And so we get meditative. One of the great things for that is to pick up the mosaic and to read in an archetypal fashion how various influences in our life are there for a purpose. So a purposeful living appeals to you. You can do no better than to pick up this book, 
the Mosaic, Daniel Bruce Levin. Let us take our one break of the hour. We'll be gone a couple of minutes. And when we come back, I'm going to ask the essential question of the hour. I was teasing it in my social media touting of Daniel's appearance today. And we'll get to that on the other side of this attempt to move the economy forward. You're listening to Manson Mitchell. and We're all gathered at the epicenter of talk in Seattle, AM 1150. We'll be right back. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see. Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed back Bridget Gaspard, author of The Final Eight, to discuss enlisting our inner selves to accomplish our dreams. On Saturday, Jacob Cooper talks about his insights resulting from a near-death experience years ago and how that has shaped his life today. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. That was Elton John's Daniel. We have a Daniel of our own. We have Daniel Bruce Levin here. This is his fifth visit to Manson Mitchell, and we assume that there will be many more. Daniel, if people would like to um, connect with you, get your book, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, we've had the book for a couple of years, and I wanted to ask you how book sales are going, because I just think this is like the greatest gift book ever. And, uh, and if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? 
That is so kind of you. You can get the book through Amazon. That's clearly the easiest way to do it. It's this. It's the beast in the room that's set up to deliver anything ever anywhere. So uh, Amazon.com, The Mosaic by Daniel Levin. You can also go to DanielBruceLevin.com to see about what's happening with me. Um, here's what I really want. I've spent the last probably two years sitting with people and just listening to them, holding the space for them. And I do this free of charge. Anybody can set up a free call with me if they just want to be loved and accepted, listened to and heard and acknowledged and validated. If they want that, I just want them to know that there's a small corner in the world where they won't be judged, where they won't be put down, where they won't be hated. And they can say anything they want. And I will just love them. It doesn't mean I'll agree with them. Don't some some people, some of my closest friends have the most cockamamie belief systems you'd ever want to imagine. But if they were in harm's way, I would take a bullet for them because I love them. And what I'm finding is this love that's happening in, in me right now doesn't need a reason to love. It doesn't, we don't need to agree on our belief systems. We don't need to agree. You don't need to be good or bad. It doesn't matter how hard you've tried or how much you've failed. It doesn't matter. I was talking to someone and she said, Danny, you don't understand. I've done something to irreproachably hurt somebody. And she was in one of our rooms in, in the clubhouse. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, let's do an experiment. If anybody here has done some, something that they think has hurt somebody irreputably, will you please click on your microphone? The whole room lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> wow. And, and so I said, so all of us have done that. Love doesn't care. Love doesn't care how much you judge yourself or hurt yourself or think you're not worthy or think you're not good enough. Love loves you. And I've been given the opportunity for however long it lasts. That package might be taken from me anytime, any moment. So what I want to do is I want to talk to as many people and be with as many people as I possibly can to deliver this gift to them so that they feel that one small area of this world loves and accepts them and listens to them and hears them and acknowledges and validates them. So please make sure if you feel something in this, get on the, get on the email and contact me. And we'll have a Excellent. phone call. We'll have a Zoom like this. Excellent. And that's through DanielBruceLevin.com. Yes. And that's how you can find him. Yes. Here is the big question of the hour. I've had it in mind since last night. It just sort of bubbled up in my awareness. And I thought, I've got to ask Daniel about this. At this point in time, with all that's gone on over the last four years, the pandemic is still on. We still, we're getting a handle on it, but it's too early to pronounce victory here. Is it too risky to make ourselves vulnerable, not just physically, but emotionally? Another way of putting it would be, is it too much of a chance to bring out our gentle side, the way things are going? Yes, but there's no other choice. Hmm. I mean, look, all of us are a little scared. <clears throat> this, the differences of opinion and the divide in our country is civil war type divide. 
it's been brother, brothers and, and sisters and mothers and children, fathers and sons. The divide has been so, uh, so deep mm-hmm. that it's, of course, we're scared to open ourselves up. I can only tell you what I'm doing and what I'm feeling. I can't, I can't take responsibility for anybody else doing what they don't feel to do. All I can tell you is when I sit with people and I say, I just want to know what you believe. I want you to know I'm, I'm willing to listen to you. I have no desire to change your point of view. I have no desire to tell you to think a different way. I come into the conversation with no agenda at all, except the agenda that I want you to know that I'm listening to you that I'm hearing what you're saying. My daughter, I think on a previous show, I told you the story of my developmentally delayed daughter who can't speak in a way that people understand. She doesn't able, she's not able to form their words. So what she did is she would speak and when she wasn't heard, she would yell. When she yelled and she wasn't heard, she would tantrum. And when she tantrumed, she wasn't heard, she would attack. Well, that's what the world's doing. We're speaking and nobody's listening to us. So we're yelling it. We're yelling and no one's listening to us. And I say no one, I don't mean no one. Of course, that's someone's, people are listening. But I'm, I'm, if for anybody watching right now, I have a black shirt, I have a white beard, I have black glasses, white hair, white wall, black and white book. I'm talking in black and whites, but it's not meant to be black and white. Very few people are listening. So when we speak and we don't get heard, we yell. When we yell and we don't get heard, we create chaos. We create, we create a scene. We try and disrupt everything around us to make, it, to, make it, to make somebody say, can you see me? Can you hear me? I just want you to know that I'm here. And when we don't hear that, then people attack. They stand on a, on a, on a balcony and shoot people in a square. They blow up a building. They destroy a business. They, they end a marriage. They end the friendship with a person because they, they, they cancel culture them out. We have to turn it around. And the way to do that is to say, I'm taking the first step. I may not agree with you. I may not do what you do. But that doesn't mean I can't love you. That doesn't mean I can't spend time listening to you. I want to understand how you believe, what you think, what you feel. And when we do that, imagine this beautiful reality that happens. How is it possible that someone can look at exactly the same situation that I'm looking at and see it almost completely different? When we get curious about that, suddenly what we see is another perspective, another way of seeing something. And that other way of seeing something might just be the missing piece in our equation of how we make the impossible possible. Because as long as we continue to hang out in the same silo of people that think like us and feel like us and see like us and behave like us, we're going to be experiencing the same problems we always have. Because we can't see out of our silo. We need the beauty of a mosaic is all these different pieces, all these different colors, all these different shapes and sizes, some broken, some whole, some large, some small. They all come together, not from a vertical relationship where people teach each other what to do or tell each other what to do or their, their point's important, but from a horizontal relationship where they just hold each other and hug each other. 
and accept each other and love each other. There's something so simple that if in, 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 the, in the artistry of a mosaic of broken pieces and whole pieces, if they can do that, why in the heck can't we do it as thinking, breathing, loving, caring, beautiful human beings whose minds are, are vast and able to encompass other things than what we know? This is the moment right now. The moment was really 20 years ago. But they have a beautiful saying in Zen, the best time to start this would have been 20 years ago. The, uh. second, the second best time to start it is now. This is the moment. And, for, and we're creating that revolution. I'm watching it happen. A revolution of listening. I simply believe, and maybe I'm naive and I'm old and, I, and who knows, maybe I'm going, I've gone crazy. But I simply believe that most of the problems in this world would be solved if we would only listen to each other rather than try and change each other and fix each other and tell each other they're wrong. If we would love and accept people, listen to them and hear them and acknowledge and validate them. I'm watching what's happening in these conversations when I'm having that happen. People are changing. And we're not fixing them. They're just changing. They feel like they can drop these walls that they put up around themselves. And when they drop the walls, all of a sudden they go, whoa, what's out here? Look at this whole world that's here. I'm not surrounded by this little silo that I've had to protect myself with. Because those silos are causing us as much pain as they are protection. We feel isolated and alone. It's time for us to open up our arms, to, stretch, to reach out and say, I know you and I aren't going to get along on everything. I know we're not going to agree on anything. But just like a mosaic, all that's important is that some piece of me connects to some piece of you. It doesn't matter how big that piece is. And the piece of me that wants to connect to you is I just want to hear you. I want to listen to you. I want to understand what you think, why you think what you think, not to challenge you, but to just be curious and understand you. Hmm. This phrase echo chamber comes to mind as I hear you talking, Daniel. We have one ear cocked to the echo chamber telling us what we want to hear and the other ear, and it's a real trick to pull it off. There are some mental gymnastics involved, but I'm as guilty as the next person of inclining toward the echo chamber while tuning out the stuff that I find discordant because I disagree with them. Yeah. That's the challenge of our times. How do you manage to reconcile the two? Because it creates a kind of cognitive dissonance in the political arena, especially. 100%. It, it takes tremendous courage to stand in front of another human being and ask them what they believe and listen to what they believe. Somehow this like-mindedness of our communities has made us become stronger and, and, and more powerful in our like-mindedness. But anybody who doesn't think like us has become isolated and left behind. We weren't built with, this world wasn't created with us living in silos. There was no like-mindedness of this world around us. It was created with open fields and meadows and mountains and rivers. 
we need to open up those silos again and just say, I want to know what you believe. Diversity has always been what's made us, what's given us strength. Somehow now it's weakened us. Somehow now we grew up, every single one of us, I bet your parents told you the same thing my parents told me. United we stand, divided we fall. We're better together. We're stronger together. We can do more together. But somehow we're living in a divided we fall world. It's just time for, for us as individuals, one at a time, to say, I may get hurt. You may really swing away at me and it may hurt, it may hurt me. But I'm willing to take that risk. Because I want to tell you something. I don't care what you believe. I love you. I don't care how different you are. I love you. I don't care what color your skin is. I love you. I don't care how much money you make. I love you. I don't care what your occupation is. If you're a CEO or, the, or a, a, a leaf sweeper, I love you. Because love doesn't care. It doesn't care what you do, where you live, what color your skin. You know, when I traveled around the world over the course of my life, Rich people, poor people, religious people, atheists, black people, white people, all people of every certain, certain border, they all wanted those same three things. That's why I'm, I'm devoting my life to it. People wanted to be loved and accepted, listened to and heard and acknowledged and validated. It didn't matter who they were or what they believed or what they thought or how much money they had. Everybody wanted those same three things. If we could just agree to do those simple things, if we could just agree to do that simple practice, the world would change right before our eyes. I'm watching it happen. But I'm only one person. You're one very well-connected person. It's interesting to me, Daniel, how what it is that you wish to see in the world, hopefully all of us want to see it, is achieved at at least a degree of abstraction that allows us to communicate in social media without being physically present. I find that intriguing. There are things that you can say, and may, maybe it's a matter of anonymity. You get on Facebook with another Twitter, what have you, all the social media, and uh, you're Joe Blow from Kokomo, but you use another name, you know, Destiny Star Fairy or something like that. And you can tell people how you really feel that does serve a purpose. I, I find it cathartic to be able to discuss with people under this cloak of anonymity how I feel about people and issues in a way that doesn't require me to filter my thoughts for fear of giving offense with people that I might run into at the supermarket. Right. So one of the things we're doing, and we've been asked to do it, is we're taking the anonymity of Clubhouse, which is a voice app. What happens is all they see is your picture and your picture, you can do anything you want to your picture. My picture is my picture because it's just what I'm, I, you know, I have to look like this for some reason. So I put my picture as my picture. But then the way we communicate to each other is with our voice. And the voice is a very special instrument. You can tell when you listen to somebody speak if they're being honest or not. You can tell when you listen to somebody speak if they have an agenda or not. You can tell them the resonance of a voice if they really believe what they're speaking about or not. 
And so there's a power to that that I never realized before. I think I thought that there was. But I'm watching people respond like, Gary, you have a beautiful voice, Suzanne, you have a beautiful voice. I think if you went on there, people are, people are responding to my voice as if they've never heard somebody speak with a voice like this. My voice has always been my voice. This, it hasn't changed. Maybe it's softened over the years. I don't know. But they're magnetically drawn. They say, I hear your voice and I just trust you instantly. Well, that's what we need to do. So what we said to the people as we're gathering together in these rooms is, do you have the courage to take this from Clubhouse to our house? What about the possibility of now that we're sitting here, 600 people together, coming and going as they do, how about if we would create a retreat where we would come together and just be with each other and practice the same practice, but add to that, that we could hug each other and hold each other and be with each other and support each other and offer opportunities to each other. You need this type of work. I need that type of person to do that. Where we could play with each other and sort of build each other and make each other strong together. Would you be interested in that? Click your microphone. The place went crazy. It, they wouldn't stop clicking their microphones. So people, there's a hunger for it now. The same thing I said about the stories that we repeat over and over again, I'm finding we're doing that with our life situation. It's become so commonplace that we just say the same thing over and over again, that we're really disconnected, that we really don't want to be each other, we really believe this separately, we really don't believe what the other person believes, we really are hatred of each other and filled with hatred and we don't, we're angry at each other and we, don't, we can't trust each other. I just don't believe it's true. What I'm seeing before my eyes is how many beautiful people there are in this world that would do anything for you, that would give you their last piece of bread if you were hungry. And those people are not the ones that the news talks about, but they are the heart and soul of our country and of this world. There is a goodness in people that when you give it a moment, when you give it some silence, when you give it a chance, it comes forward. And I'm watching it come forward. And I'm watching this movement of love spread. I can't do this. I'm an old fat guy sitting in California. I can't do any <laughs> of this. But the movement of love is bigger than any of us. We just have to give it an opportunity to show. And give it and say to people, people say, well, what did I do? How can I get this? How can I get it? I said, you don't need to get it. It's right here. Like, it's right in front of us. It's right here in front of us. The gift is on the table. What do you need to do to get it? Just come and enjoy it. You have really touched something with me by mentioning that one phrase, last piece of bread. Wow. This goes back many years to my days of reading about the Holocaust. And I'll tell you, Daniel, it was very stark for me, very enlightening when I read that there were people that said they survived the camps by establishing what became known as a gift relation to certain people. It might be one individual, it might be a few, but it was witnessed many times. People sharing their last piece of bread in the camps yeah. in order to save or help someone else to survive the day, the night. And this gift relationship was able to create a bond that gave them a reason to go on. Yeah. 
now you're facing an existential reality and you're facing that threat together. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the Holocaust, not because I love it, because it's such a painful moment. But I'm so touched by Viktor Frankl, and I'm sure you know who Viktor Frankl is, Man's Search for Meaning. Where Viktor Frankl would say in Man's Search for Meaning, if you want to know what love is, if you want to know what ecstasy is, if you want to know what a real experience of God is, spend five years in a concentration camp. And who in the world would ever say such a thing? But he ended up saying that it isn't anything that is good or bad. It's the meaning we give to it. And the meaning I gave to it was that somebody would give me their last piece of bread. And when I realized that they gave me their last piece of bread to help me stay alive, I can't think of a place that's more heavenly than that. And I survived. And that's beautiful. We have the most beautiful opportunity in front of us because it's an opportunity where we have so much going against us that if we just click the perception, suddenly we have this portable paradise that we're walking in. I did want to ask you, we have just a couple of minutes left, Daniel. Is there any possibility of the mosaic being available in other forms? You said something about a movie early on. Yes. Is, there a, is there a way to translate this into another medium? Yes, there are people that are talking to us, but you know, Hollywood is a crazy, is a crazy thing. There's a lot of blabber and not so much happening. So I don't, I don't uh, count on it happening right yet, but I have four different film crews coming and talking to me under four separate... Uh, occasions. There's also another person, you know, what's happening right now in the world of art is NFTs. And they're creating these beautiful 10 second segments that are selling with Bitcoin. They're selling for uh, millions and millions of dollars. And a famous artist contacted me and said, I I heard your book and I, and I heard the story. I want to do an NFT and I want to just do this with you together. And will you give me permission? He's going to tell the story of the of the king who who ran the region where the art the artisans were the best artisans in the world and the best barters in the world and they made the most beautiful pottery and in passing in the night before the competition they were the royal family was passing it from one hand to another and it dropped and shattered oh no and they, and they thought oh my god now what are we going to do our reputation we're known as the best artisans in the world and and he said i just have to go in there and tell him what happened And as he's going to leave in the morning, a little old man comes with a little box in his hand. And he walks, he says, I have to see the king. I have to see the king. They said, the king is forlorn. You won't see him. He said, I have to see the king. And he gives him the little box. And in the box, he pieced together the brokenness with gold, with gold, gold glue. And the artistry of of that piece now became more beautiful than it ever had. So he wants to make an NFT of that story where it will be, feel, you'll feel the, in the first four seconds, you'll see the painting of that, of that vase. You'll see the making. You'll hear the strokes against the, uh, against the ceramic. In the second four seconds, you'll see in super slow-mo the vase crashing to the ground and shattering. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my and, goodness. And in the final two seconds, you'll see it putting together with the, with the glue of gold. So there's lots going on. All that to say, yes. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. We've run out of time. The book is The Mosaic. Daniel Bruce Levin, can't wait to visit with you again. 
Have a great weekend, sir. And a great weekend to you, everyone. This is AM 1150 in Seattle.